Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Whoop and Shoot podcast. It is Trooper. And it's your boy, Whoop. And on this podcast, we're going to be doing a full Masters uh, just recap. Um, we know we're a little bit late, but we're going to be doing a full rundown of that tournament. Also, we're going to be just doing a full NBA breakdown because we have not talked about the NBA in like three weeks now, I think. And we just want to give a full update of what's going on, the standings, um, MVP ladder, and also defensive player of the year ladder. Um, we'll also be having a deeper thoughts in this podcast as well. So um, just to start it off with the Masters, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably from around here. So you're probably from the Augusta area, which is where we live. And uh, this is literally Augusta's claim to fame, this tournament, and a very big deal, as yeah. everybody knows. Uh, who's going to win the Green Jackets? And uh, Payne, you want to just start off with uh, kind of how the weekend went as you were uh, – if you didn't know, Whoop yeah. worked the Masters. Yeah. He was there every single day, uh, very early in the morning, 5 a.m., yeah. Um, to the very late hours, especially on Sunday, he was there the entire day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Whoop can give you any insight. So Whoop, just yeah. So, so just a little backstory. Um, Chandler and I, we've been, you know, we obviously live in Augusta. We've grown up with the Masters our whole lives. It's been a, a really big a part of like, you know, why my family lives in Augusta. Uh, that's uh, one of the things my dad told me. So um, the Masters has been great, you know, every year. I've been going there since, like, probably for the past 10 years. I've been blessed to be able to go watch Tiger win in the final round in 19. I've been to the final round in 18. And then this year, I, since I worked the Masters, I was able to see the, this final round. And obviously, they didn't let anybody in um, in 2020. So I've been pretty blessed to be able to see that. And uh, it's one of my favorite tournaments by far. But uh, this this week was just really fun, you know. Um, like Chandler said, I worked like 112 hours this week. It was, I mean, it was backbreaking work, but it was, you know, a lot of fun. Um, got to watch these golfers, uh, you know, play out on the course, and the course was in great shape. Uh, got to watch them on the range, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just a lot of fun. Um, obviously, Hideki, Hideki Matsuyama won. Um, it was kind of a surprise to a lot of people because, you know, he was coming, I think he's like top 20 in the world, but he hasn't won a major. He's been kind of known for uh, choking whenever he, he like, all right, so this is the thing. Hideki, he's had a lot of rounds where, like, on a Saturday or a Friday, he'll go out and he'll shoot, like, seven under. But then he has uh, – it's been in his nature for, like, the next round. He'll come back and he'll shoot, like, a 76 or something and play his way out of contention. But uh, this year he actually surprised me because, you know, he went up 11 under and then the, the – People in second place were all tied to like seven under. And I was thinking, man, I think this is really anybody's uh, tournament because Hideki has, you know, a history of, you know, kind of choking here um, in the past, not at specifically at the Masters, but in big tournaments, in big situations. And, uh, you know, he held on and I'm happy for him because he's the first Japanese, um, first Japanese, uh, you know, uh, golfer. golfer to uh, ever win. So it was pretty, pretty impressive. Just, uh, but yeah, uh, if we start off with like Thursday, you know, Justin Rose, uh, yeah, Justin Rose took the lead at seven under, and everybody else was like at three or four, and it was kind of surprising because um, the whole week the talk was that you know Augusta was gonna play the course pretty hard, or they're gonna they're gonna make it hard for these players, and uh, somebody comes out and they shoot a sixty-five, and you're like, man, this this it was shocking, and I was thinking, okay, well, this might be Justin's year, and then. Um, the very next day he shoots even and then it's uh, he still has the lead at like seven under and some guys are uh, close to the top. I was personally pulling for Spieth this whole week Same. because he was finally getting back into a rhythm. He's like 52nd in the world. Um, and and that, that that may sound bad. But before that, he was like, you know, like in the 70s, 80s and he couldn't find a rhythm. He hasn't won a major since 2017. You get guys like Rory McIlroy. He hasn't won a major since 2014. So I was pulling for those guys. 
And uh, and you know, Spieth was in it. He finished tied for, thir- for tied for third in this tournament. He was there all week, and uh, I thought he was going to get it going on Saturday. Um, if he had made the putt on uh, 18 to birdie and get to six under and be five shots back of the lead going into the final round, I think that would have given him some momentum. But uh, he finished at uh, five under after the third round. And I thought, well, okay, six shots back. I remember in 2018, he shot like a 64. And uh, he finished third uh, that year. And I'm thinking he could maybe do the same thing again. And I'm looking at the guys that's ahead of him. And I'm thinking, I think he's the, I think he's the best player out of all these guys. He, he plays Augusta definitely the best. He's a master champion. He's got the most experience. Well, it should be a two-time if you didn't choke. Yeah, if you didn't choke in 16. But, uh, but yeah, just overall a really fun week. Uh, congratulations to Hideki. I mean, not really a lot to break down. You got Will Zalatoris there, which was pretty impressive. His first Masters, he finished his runner-up. That was crazy. Actually, um, as the tournament was going on and Spieth kind of looked like he wasn't going to be in it, I found myself pulling for Zalatoris, and the whole crowd was pulling for him too because it's his first time, um, and uh, it would have been pretty crazy if he won because he might be the next big golfer. There's talk that he might turn into that, and he's got a lot of potential. Sure. But still a great round, you know. I mean, to finish runner-up in the Masters your first year, that's like – that's like unheard of. That's like Tiger stuff or something. And um, yeah. speaking of Tiger, it kind of sucks that he wasn't in this Masters because to present Hideki with yeah, the green jacket, which um, was something I really yeah yeah bummed me out. But uh, but uh, I mean, he hopefully he'll be back next year. We'll see what his status is. Uh, just he's you know he's making a full recovery at home right now. So uh, we'll probably get news about him like in the you know, coming months and, you know, hopefully he can get back into golfing shape or he'll be able to play golf again. We don't even know the status, but uh, knowing Tiger, you know, he's had like six back surgeries and he's, you know, won a master's after having so many back surgeries. So it looks like he could maybe be able to uh, come back from this, mm-hmm. but we'll see. And uh, yeah, Chandler, you got anything you want to talk about this week or, or the, the master's week or anything that you did exciting or, or just, I mean, you went to yeah. Florida. Yeah. So, I was, was going to ask, uh, watch. how many times have you been to the master's? I was going to ask I've been going since I was like seven years old. Like every single year, like going to like a round. Not every year. I think I think I've gone every year since I was like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. So that's like eight times at least. I've probably been probably about twenty times out there, um, including practice rounds and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because I I've been to um, an actual like like a day. Like I think I went to Saturday. It was when I was three. Yeah, and then when I was seven, I went. Uh, I forget what day it was, but I've been two times, and then I also went to the women's amateur. I think it was last year, oh, two years ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I went. I went to the women's amateur in two thousand and maybe what? What year did they start that? Like nineteen? I'm pretty sure something like that. Yeah, it was like fairly. I think it was either like last or the year before. So yeah, I went to the women's amateur in two thousand nineteen, and then I also yeah, got I a ticket 20, on that Sunday when Tiger won, and uh, so I've been in nineteen. I was there this year, so twenty one. I was there in eighteen. I was there in sixteen. And I was also there in 2014 when Bubba won because I remember my dad and I walking out to the uh, parking lot because Spieth had finished at like five under and lost by three. And I remember he, uh, Spieth was close in that. And uh, that's just kind of the memory I have from it. So right there off the bat, I know I had five. And I know I've been a lot more than that before be, uh, before 2014. I'm probably, I'm probably missing some. I might have been. Yeah, I've, I've only been once or twice, like I said. And uh, – but really every year, um, one thing with the Masters, every time it comes around, people rent their house out, including yeah. myself. So I yeah. always I always rent my house out and go on vacation. So this year we were in Florida, like Payne said. Um, so it's kind of like just like every single house is almost rented out like yeah. in a full year. This year, obviously, there's only 25% capacity. So it wasn't as many people renting their house. But in a full year, it's literally like all of Augusta is gone. It's just all tourists and a ton of people are here. Like it, 
literally hundreds of thousands. Yeah, insane. It, it's definitely the most exciting week in Augusta by far. For um, sure. I mentioned, you know, I worked at the uh, Masters this year, and um, I mean, the celebrities that you see is pretty incredible. I mean, I saw like Scott Van Pelt, I saw, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I saw Paulina Gretzky, which is Dustin Johnson's uh, wife, I saw Josh Allen, the quarterback mm-hmm. of the Bills. Um, saw Sam, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Donald, Sam Donald, and I even got to meet Dwayne Wade uh, on. Yeah, uh, tell, tell him about that. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Wade. I'm trying to remember what day it was. It was Friday. Friday, um, going into the weekend, um, and uh, they were at this hospitality tent, and actually the neighborhood Chandler lives in, and uh, I saw him in the hospitality tent. He was eating dinner by himself, and this lady I was with said, "Hey, you need to go get a picture with him or whatever." And uh, I was able uh, to get a picture, got to talk to him, actually m- mentioned to him that Chandler and I have a podcast. And it was pretty Ooh, cool. Too, baby. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a pretty dope moment. Definitely the most famous guy I've ever met. Um, and he was a really cool dude. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty crazy and uh, pretty awesome as well. And I've also also saw Jerry Rice and saw Joe Montana. So you saw like a lot of legends walk through, you know, um, the pro shop. That's where I worked at the Masters. And you just saw them around town and were at whatever, you know. So casually. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald's another one. You know, Joe Jonas for all the girls out there. You got to see him. (laughs) Um, I know my sister was like sulking over him during uh, the tournament. So, uh, yeah, it was just a pretty crazy week. But it's also – it's always one of my favorite – weeks of uh, the year, uh, maybe the, my most favorite week of the year, but it, it was uh, pretty special and pretty great. I'll, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, working the Masters again. but uh, And the tournament was great too. Glad to have fans back. Uh, we didn't have them in 2020. And now, um, you know, being out there, it was kind of perfect because sometimes fans like to complain about, you know, being so – being there's so much crowd and you can't like see the golf this year it's like you could like walk up and give a high five and you still had the same energetic roars that you have had in the past mm-hmm. it wasn't like you were it wasn't like you were losing that much energy um from the crowds whenever it came down to the wire on like sunday or saturday and uh and on top of that you got to watch the golf uh without having to you know scoot in between people or look over people or even just you know try to get a spot somewhere. Uh, so that was pretty great because I remember in 19, I couldn't see anything whenever Tiger won on 18 green this year, I could see, you know, everything when Hideki won. So that was pretty great. Um, but yeah, all in all, just a great week. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Fantastic week. You know, you were talking about like working in a, like working a big event and uh, like just seeing a bunch of famous people and like how it was like such like a fun, just interject time. Right. And I don't know why I was like, I was kind of thinking about it in my own life and I was like, you know, when I worked the Peach Jam, it was a mop boy. Yeah. Have you seen the pictures of me? Like, so yeah. like we had to be mop boys and sit at the end of the goals. Like, you mm-hmm. know, what the guys look like. You remember when we right. like, met each other and we were like, right. And you were okay. So they gave us like blue, cool Nike shorts one year, like mm-hmm. a cool blue shirt. Yeah. This was when I was in middle school, by the way. And uh, I think I did it in fifth grade too. I don't remember. Yeah. But like one year they just gave us all peach, like and we looked like Peach Boys. It was the mo- <laughs> I got made fun of a lot when I was wearing. It was like That's baggy, really yeah, peach sweatshorts. I was like, oh, I feel so yeah. stupid. But on the other side, you get to meet tons of famous basketball players. Yeah. And it, just like Payne said with the Masters, it's a super exciting time when, like, all these famous people here just, like, so casually just, like, yeah. enjoying a sporting event. It's just such a cool thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sure. I'm really, really grateful that we have the Masters right by us. And it's just been – it was a great tournament. It was good to watch. It was, I'm not going to lie and say it was, like, the best play we've had. But still, nonetheless, it was um, a spring in Augusta. Finally having that yeah. back is good. Um, so having yeah. fans, all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now we're probably going to transition to the NBA side of this podcast. We're going to be going through just the West and East standings, really. Um, it's been an interesting NBA season so far. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of things have actually changed since we have last talked, um, especially in the West, to be honest. 
Um, the East a little bit in the latter half, but the West has had some big adjustments in the top. We'll start with the East, though. Um, coming in at the number one spot is still my Philadelphia 76ers at 38-17. and 17. They just beat the Nets last night to secure the number one official spot, or two nights ago, sorry. Yeah. And, yeah, things are going well. Joel Embiid is back and healthy, playing finally. And our team is looking pretty solid, especially defensively. Right. And I, I have a lot of confidence in this team. Just whether we can do it in the playoffs is the biggest question that we've always had. But right now I'm very confident in us. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely confident in the Sixers as well. Y'all just beat the Nets the other night, minus KD, and um, I don't think Harden played either. Yeah. Um, it was just but Kyrie. It was just it was, it was for first place. Yeah, still, it was for first place. Solid win. I mean, you got Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid, two of the top ten defenders in the league, maybe the top eight, or you can make an argument for top five. <laughs> um, ben Simmons is definitely there. If you want to put Embiid in the top five, you can. I'm not uh, I'm not mad at that. But, uh, yeah, the Sixers, they're going to keep rolling, and uh, they're definitely going to be a top four uh, seed or probably the – they're definitely going to be top two, honestly, um, looking like no, how the season's going. Yeah, we're not going to. Um, I say we're a lock for top two. I, I agree. Um, and then, you know, you got the Nets in the, at the two seed right now, 37-18. Right um, uh, I think that's – I'm not trying to be boastful, but I almost want to say it's a lock. Um, I'm going to come back a months later and be like, you're such an idiot for saying this. But it's a lock that the Sixers and the Nets will be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's just how I see things playing out. Um, especially if they say one two because that would mean it would be perfectly aligned yeah. to be in the East Conference Finals. So that is my pick. It's been my pick since the start of the year, and I am just restating that because when you look at the number three spot, the Bucks, you know, they've been climbing. Giannis has been on the MVP watch. Um, they've been playing a lot better, especially with like we mentioned when it obviously came out. Drew Holiday is on that team, and I think that gives them a lot more respect, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, they can make teams. Really play at their speed, like a slow, right. uh, like a low scoring game. You know what I'm saying? Like they can, they can control more when they have Drew out there. And then Giannis is a matchup nightmare yeah. for teams, unless you're going against the Sixers and you have Embiid. Exactly, unless you have a big center that can play defense. And a surprise four seed is the, the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks. Um, they were a ten seed at one point. They were being laughed at, like mocked for all the moves yeah. they made. Now they're a four seed, and tied with the Celtics, who are um, at the five spot at thirty and twenty six. It's it's just weird to see that the Hawks, who I have, if I saw them in uh, any playoff series, I'm like laughing. I'm like, yeah. come on, this team cannot play any defense. Right. Um, Trey Young is just gonna. I don't even know what Trey Young is gonna do. Maybe he steps up and goes absolutely insane. But well, I'm I'm excited if I see them. That's all I gotta say. They've been balling the last couple of weeks. I mean, Trey Young's numbers have been great. He's seven, th- seven three in the last ten. Years. Right. You know, he's averaging like twenty five and uh, nine assists, eight assists around there. And uh, he's really put this team not on his back, but he's been, you know, a solid leader. And I think that's something that, you know, this Hawks team needs. And then, and, you know, people were like kind of like aggravated with why does, why is everything going through Trey? Everything shouldn't be like, you know, going through Trey. Let other players, you know, um, get a chance to like, you know, show what they can do because they weren't really like uh, excited about the fact that, you know, uh, Trey Young was kind of doing everything for this team. But I think it, in all honesty, it's helped them because, you know, you found a sense of leadership. You know, Trey Young shooting like only forty three percent from the field, but uh, besides that, he's been playing great, and um, he's the reason that they are thirty and twenty six. And this young talent is starting to be uh, come into fruition. You're starting to see uh, what this team is made of, and um, and uh, you know how much talent they do have. Because being a four seed in the East or the West is uh, is nothing to sneeze at. It shows that this team is you know playoff uh, playoff ready, and they're. Uh, you know, they're a legit playoff team. So I think, you know, they'll stay in the top eight and uh, they're going to, I think they're going to keep doing what, they're, uh, what they've been doing and they'll probably end around, you know, four to six seed, I I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think the Hawks maybe drop a little. 
throughout the yeah. I think the Celtics will we'll sure probably overtake them, them. and um, maybe the Knicks or even the Heat right yeah. there. Um, yeah. So then in the sixth spot we have the Knicks, and then at seven spot the Heat and yeah. eight Hornets. Um, then wrapping up at nine ten Pacers and Bulls. They are all pretty close. The Bulls are kind of far off at twenty two and thirty two, so yeah. they're going to be in the playing game at best. Pacers are at twenty six and twenty eight. Hornets uh, even five hundred at twenty seven and twenty seven. Yeah, and then the Heat and Knicks are both just a game above. On five hundred, yeah, and, and the, I don't, yeah, I, I just don't see. It's very top heavy in the East right now. It's been like that, but mm-hmm. it's extremely this year as per usual. Um, really, only three teams that you see that would be any yeah. threatening. That top three team, those top three seeds, the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, they're not moving. Um, they're Celtic, not falling. The Celtics below the, three seed. Are, the Celtics used to be a part of that big four, but they have definitely dropped off. As they're on like a five game win streak now, but doesn't you know, matter. it doesn't matter. This season has been so unpredictable. I mean, I just said all those things about the Hawks being like maybe a legit playoff team and how Trey Young's, you know, in, maybe taking on a leadership role. We were saying how like, yeah, they might need to be rebuilding. Again. Yeah, exactly. Cause they were a 10 seed. So who knows though, you know, I mean, I, my prediction is the Hawks won't fall outside the six seed, but uh, they could very well fall to like maybe the nine seed. And you can even yeah. have a team like the Heat move up to that four seed and the Celtics could fall to the eight. It's so unpredictable. But something I do want to talk to you about, Chandler, is, you know, the, you're talking about the Sixers-Nets uh, matchup preview. And uh, Ben Simmons said the other day, um, I don't know what he said uh, word for word, but uh, something to what the extent, about? Something to the extent yeah. of uh, he said that, Somebody had asked, like, are you worried about, you know, the Nets or, you know, the Lakers? And he said, well, you obviously got to give the Lakers respect because of the defending champions, and and uh, that's who you're uh, obviously chasing. He said, as far as the Nets go, they have a lot of talent. But uh, at the end of the day, there's only one ball, and you got to be able to play defense. So I kind of wanted to uh, get your thoughts, since you're a Sixers fan, on, like, what do you – I mean, we kind of know what he means by that. But uh, – but if the Sixers were to play the Nets, you know, in an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, do you think, you know, the Sixers may um, have a better shot than what people are thinking uh, because the Nets are so stacked? Like they're thinking, oh, well, it's going to be easy for whoever the Nets play in the mm-hmm. East. Do you think the Sixers have, uh, you know, just as good a shot as the, of beating the Nets as the Nets do of beating the Sixers? Um, I'm going to be very honest. Uh, I was shocked that Ben Simmons actually said that, especially I think – what the comedy made about defense? Obviously, the Nets are god awful at defense, and the Sixers, on the flip side of that coin, are amazing at defense. Especially yeah. Ben Simmons himself. But as an overall team, we are the best defensive team in the league. It's I, I would say that and not be not bad. Not yeah. I think it's pretty unanimous. Um, but to say that we are only afraid of the Lakers and not the Nets is stupid because the Nets have so much firepower on offense, and I love the Sixers. Trust me, I think we are an amazing team. Um, I. Uh, they're my favorite team, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think they're very talented and have a chance to win a finals this year. I really think we have a solid chance. And I've actually thought that in two of the past years. The, not this exact same strong feeling yeah. that I have this year, but I felt a similar feeling of, wow, this team could actually do something in the playoffs, maybe make a championship run, especially uh, last year. And it just it just didn't happen. Well, not right. last year, um, two years ago. 2019. Lost, well, yeah, 2019. We lost the Raptors, not last year. But, uh, yeah. So I've had this feeling before, like I said. And just to say that the we would be easily going to the finals is yeah. a little bit arrogant of Ben Simmons, to be honest. He, he might be my second favorite player, but it's a little bit arrogant of him to say that. Yeah. And to overlook the Nets is something I will not do at all. I mean, I'm going to keep it real. I still have the Nets beating us. I think it's literally a flip a coin game. Like, I'm very broke even on who I want to pick in that series. I think it's 100% going to seven games. Not a chance. I mean, not a chance that it doesn't. So I think it's a very close series. But – 
I'm just scared that we're not going to be able to get it done in a game seven, you know, because obviously we're haunted by that our last game seven. And I really think Kevin Durant is going to go super sane oh, yeah. and like take over. I mean, and that's that's what I'm afraid of. And that's why I lean 51 49 percent over to uh, that's why I picked the Nets. But I'm not going to lie, if, if I see stuff maybe later on in the season, I w- could be swayed to the Sixers, but like. I'm not overlooking them because yeah. I literally have the Nets beating us. Yeah, I mean, the case for the Sixers is that, you know, they won on the Nets don't play defense. And exactly, since LaMarcus yeah. Aldridge just retired. Well, that, that he played no defense. It didn't matter. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, Joel Embiid is going to be a, a matchup nightmare for any player on the uh, Nets. So that's, that's going to be – Did you see how they guarded him in – like when they didn't have KD and Harden? I don't think they would yeah. actually have to guard – put KD on him, which would be very interesting to see if in the series they had – they decided to match up. That would not Kate. be smart if you're the Nets. Yeah, because he would be tired for offense. And also, but, but they were, they were th- yeah, yeah, they were throwing Claxton on him, and then like having Jeff Green or like the other guard, I or like a, or not a other guard, but an actual guard, like press up on him and try to like trap him, kind of like just pretty much double team him as soon as he gets the ball. Whoever's guarding Ben Simmons can kind of can him. can definitely just double team uh, Joel. That's yeah, that's what they're. That's doing. the thing that kind of sucks for the Sixers is because you know. But then Ben's just gonna hey hey. Leave Ben open, see what happens. I mean, not, <laughs> dude. It depends on how much space you give him. I, I was about to start going on defense player of the year. Too. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get. Yeah, to I was that. about to do that. We're gonna get to that, but definitely what's gonna work for the Sixers is most likely, you know, uh, uh, the Nets having a matchup nightmare with Joel Embiid, just because they're gonna have to double team him, and we'll see what you know Ben Simmons can do out of that because his playmaking is so great. So that could be something that works. We'll see. But uh, but the thing is, is what scares me is if if we're in like a game seven. Or, you know, it's down to the wire in any close game and you have Harden, Kyrie and KD on the other side of the ball and they can just come down and like score five straight trips without missing a shot. It could go like KD, KD, then you can go Harden, you can go Kyrie. That's what scares me because that's where the offensive firepower, you know, kind of, um, you know, just trumps, over, the trumps, you know, great defense with uh, Embiid, you know, uh, Simmons and uh, Tybal. So so I, I'm definitely probably leaning Nets over the uh, Sixers if it uh, if it came down came down to that, but you know the Sixers would have to you know lean heavily on uh, Joel Embiid, and then you know uh, Simmons is going to have to turn into like what he did against the Jazz when he dropped forty two. Oh, on Gobert's head. Yeah, they're going to have to do. Oh yeah, I know. You know, Embiid, I, I think really you know Simmons is going to have to step up his offensive game. Um, whenever the Tobias time comes, keep being that third and option. Exactly. Tobias has been on a tear, so I'm I'm excited to see what he'll do in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but now to flip over to the Western Conference, there's a new number one or a. A new lock at number one for as of right now. Yeah. There was a battle between the Lakers and the Jazz. Now it is just the Jazz who are being now um, approached upon by the Suns at the yeah. two spot. Um, Chris the, Paul, the, baby. Jazz are 41 and 14. The Suns are 40 and 15. Um, just a little carrot to that, though, not to get carried away with numbers. The Suns have had the 23rd easiest schedule up until this point. So not to like inexcuse their great season so far being the two spot in the West. But they do have a lot of – I think it's like the like fifth or seventh hardest schedule coming up or something yeah. like that. They have a, a pretty tough tear or a tough road ahead of them. So we'll see if they can uh, remain in that top uh, three spot or top two spot at least. And, yeah, I think the Jazz as the one seed, I feel that's how it's going to end up. Because the Jazz actually did have one of the harder starts to the season. Mm-hmm. And they still have this amazing record. So I don't really see them slowing down. So – same. I don't know about the playoffs, though. It still makes me doubt them just because they don't have that one star that can take over because you're always as good as your best player, which is what some people say, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. And you want to have that guy that 
is better than anyone else in the court, and uh, they don't have that. And that's another thing. Any matchup. That's another thing not to get back on the Nets Sixers, but the Nets arguably have the two best players on the court with KD and Harden. Oh, I know. So, which so is the scariest part? Exactly, that's the scariest exactly. part. And then some people will even say Kyrie is better than Embiid. I no, don't agree. bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. I don't. I'm saying some people. Oh, I I yeah. don't agree. I'm well, just saying that's just a little side note of something. Wait, that wait, scares who's better, me. Kyrie or Dame? Mm, I'm taking Dame in a clutch situation. So, like, if I want, who do I want in the playoffs? But what if it's 52 seconds left and you need a step side three against Steph Curry in a game seven? Who do you against want against Dame? No, I want Kyrie because that's the shot he hit on stuff. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kyrie is clutch, but besides that one shot, yeah. I don't think he's on Dame's level as of far clutchness. as like yeah. – Not of clutchness, but I don't know. I think it's very close. Dame's level in the fourth Dame, quarter. Dame's numbers because he definitely carries more. Kyrie is a true sidekick, so I guess he – I mean, it just. It, I mean, there's really no wrong answer whether you want Dame or Kyrie. I mean, I'm a Dame fan. Just uh, so I yeah, think that's the numbers some of your bias. and what Dame's done backs up. It's kind of like me saying – I mean, he has the most close. I think it's kind of like the Jokic and Bede question for me. Yeah. It's like the Kyrie Dame question for you. I would say so. Just because we have our biases to our favorite. I'm players. taking Dame simply because he's got the most clutch. He leaves the uh he leaves the league in the most clutch points. Um with the, he leaves the league with the most clutch point scored. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I'm taking him. And like we said, we have the Suns of the two spot at 40 and 15. I think they will stay at least in the top four for sure. Yeah. Um, so very respect to Chris Paul and Devin Booker for how they've been doing things down there in Phoenix. Then at the three spot, we have the Clippers at 39 and 18. Kawhi and Paul George have been playing very well together on a seven-game win streak, sure. actually. And, yeah, I really like this Clippers team. They're definitely a dark horse pick that I have. Oh, we yeah. haven't really I, – I mean, I've said my picks to the Lakers. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. We get to the four spot is the Nuggets. Um, and then, like I said, the Lakers are the five spot. And they were my championship prediction. And with injuries and just how everything is, I don't know if LeBron and AD will both be able to come back and be their same selves. Um, I know I fall into this every year where I try to doubt LeBron and then he comes back and proves me wrong. But yeah, right now it's seeming very dark for this Lakers team just with dealing with injury and all this. I mean, the so, last time LeBron got injured, the Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. Exactly. And I think whenever LeBron comes back, that that uh, sense of con- consistency and that chemistry with your team, that's going to be thrown all off. You're going to have to get that back. Yeah. Who knows how AD will be since he just came back. Yeah, and he wasn't even looking uh, – it's, it's going to be tough. And then it's we have your doubtful. Blazers at the sixth spot. Um, Mavericks in the seven, Grizzlies at the eight, nine, Warriors in at ten are the Spurs. So the Spurs and the Warriors being that playing game. I think the Warriors are a dangerous team. You never know. Yeah. What? Well, sure. Could Clay come back in time? Or is it? Or, no. Nah. If, if Clay could, that'd be insane. They say he could come back early next year, but this oh. this season's stretching it. Yeah. Um, uh, so then we have the Grizzlies. So it'd be special to see with Ja. And in the seven is the Mavs. They really were down to like the twelve spot, I think. And they have worked their way all the way back up to the seven spot yeah. in the West. So respect to Luca. He's been – they're seven and three of the last ten. Doing a lot of good stuff over there. And we'll hit yeah. that game winner, which was extremely lucky against the Grizzlies a few nights ago. It's like on one foot, he floated it from the Oh, three. it was nuts. I was nuts. like, oh, my gosh. Nuts. Um, but, yeah, it's been – the West has been jumbled up a little bit. Your Blazers were at the three spot a few weeks ago. Dropped down to six. Yeah, it sucks. Um, We've not been playing great lately. But I, I like for the West right now, I'm either taking the Clippers or – the Jazz. Right now, I think I'm taking the Clippers just because we don't know. Uh, I, like, I like the Clips right now. We do, yeah, we don't know. What also, the, no one's talking about them, even exactly. though they're in the 3C. I wanted to point out that, you know, Paul George, he's not really being talked talked about a lot because people are going to wait and go, oh, well, 
what is he going to do in the playoffs? He always exactly. blows it. But if he goes and plays really well in the playoffs and they win the championship, people need to come back and look at what he did in the regular season and be like, oh man, he's definitely a top ten player because I think he's he still got the potential to be. Yeah, and I think if he, potential. I think if he shows up in the playoffs, I think that solidifies him as a top ten player and. Um, that definitely helps his legacy. I just wanted to point that out. Right now he's averaging 23.3 points. He's shooting 44% from three, not from the field, from three, which is great. 6.2 rebounds, 5.5 assists, and like Chandler said, they're on a seven-game win streak. And uh, just some other big big points to point out in, in this Western Conference. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about – did you talk about, you know, how uh, Jamal Murray's hurt and then now Jokic is going to have to carry a lot? I don't know. Do you see the Nuggets staying in that four seed? And- I think they're going to drop off because although Murray's yeah. not – amazing he's still their second best player and that's a lot to lose yeah. and Jokic to pick up so i think they're definitely going to drop and i think that's where the lakers will probably end up at the four spot if they can re- revive this season yeah. with uh ad kind of having to carry while lebron's out right now what it's looking like the nuggets lakers will probably fall off because injuries um and lack of chemistry with the lakers and then it I, i'm scared of the mavericks because lucas turning i'm up. not afraid of the mavericks not one bit well i'm not one not in, not in playoffs i'm just saying i'm kind of scared of like what the mavericks could do as far as moving up in the uh standings because last year they were they were ranked in the top three in offensive efficiency lucas playing out of the, out of this world right now they're seventh in the west now they're only one back uh one game back from the blazers who are playing awful by the way they're not playing great at all <laughs> and uh yeah, and uh, and then the Nuggets and Lakers look like they'll fall back. So the Mavericks could potentially go all the way up, you know, maybe the, to like the four or five seed. The Nuggets still have a five-game head start on them, but who knows? Without Jamal Murray, we'll see how big of a piece he was. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really it for the standings of the NBA as of right now. Um, it's pretty interesting to see how things have changed throughout the year. Um, we were really hyping up the Lakers as like a chance to solidify their one spot a few right. weeks ago, and now they're the five spot. So unpredictable. Stuff changes. Season. The Celtics were a, a potential two seed. Now they're at the. I think we're talking about the Celtics maybe beating the Nets spot. at one time. Is yeah. our predictions exactly? Are, so who knows? Um, they're on like a four-game win streak. Who knows? Yeah. They could turn a, it around. A lot changed in the NBA by week, but yeah, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and be back with Defensive Player of the Year and MVP talk. And we are back for the second part of this podcast, going to be talking about the MVP race as well as the Defensive Player of the Year race. Um, To start off with the MVP, so right now, uh, first in the standings is Nikola Jokic. He's averaging 26 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game, 8.8 assists per game, as well as uh, 1.5 steals per game. Absolutely balling. Jamal Murray, um, which sucks that he's injured, but this actually kind of helps his um, MVP campaign because Lucky boy. if let's say that the Nuggets stay uh, as the four seed in the West, then he will most likely end up winning because of who else he has on his team. The narrative is going to be like, oh, well, this is what Jokic did. He put up these numbers. He kind of had to carry because Jamal Murray's out now um, and he was able to uh, sustain, you know, the Nuggets being at the four seed. Then you have um, – the second seed right now, Joel Embiid, he's in second place in the uh, running. At, he's averaging 29.8 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists per game, as well as a steal per game, and 1.5 blocks per game. You know, he was number one before he got injured, and he was likely most likely going to win. And it may have not even been a contest because they're the number one seed in the East. They had, I think, you, well, they still have the second best record in the league, but I think that at one point they had uh, actually were ahead of the Jazz for the best record in the yeah, league. Yeah, at a point. Um, now it's the Jazz, but, uh, you know, he was he was uh, dominating. Nobody could stop him, and uh, he was definitely looking like the best center in the league. I still think he's the best center in the league, um, but Jokic is making a really good case as well. But he's two. Um, 
At three is actually Luka Doncic. Like Chandler said, he had a crazy one-foot uh, buzzer beater to win the game the other night. I think Luka's got like three game winners now, and I think he's uh, – I think this is rightly deserved for him to be number three. He's averaging 28.6 points per game, 7.9 rebounds per game, 8.6 assists per game. Um, you know, the Mavs are playing winning basketball now. They're 30 and 24. Um, like I said uh, earlier, they have a chance where they can maybe get to that four seed, um, assuming that the Lakers fall back because, you know, they don't have LeBron and who knows how well AD is going to be. And then the Blazers, they're only one uh, game back of the Blazers and they're playing better basketball than them right now. And then, even if the Nuggets, uh, even the Nuggets could fall back, and um, you know Jokic maybe can't do it all without having Jamal Murray, and you know we can maybe see Luca and the Mavs uh, slide into that four or five seed. That will definitely help his MVP campaign. But I like him at that uh, three spot. Number four is Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know the Bucks team, kind of like the Clippers, but on the East side, they've been kind of flying under the radar. Um, you know he's won the last two MVPs, so. Uh, but he he's 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 balling, you know. He's averaging 28.5 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game, 6.1 assists per game, 1.2 steals per game, 1.3 blocks per game. So he's been absolutely balling. He's got you know the Bucks as the three seed in the East, and if they were the one seed, we'd most likely see him winning his uh, third straight MVP because putting up numbers like this and still you know having the best team in the NBA um, record-wise would be absolutely insane, and uh, it'd be rightly deserved. But I think four is a good spot for him here. Um, and then last uh, is Damian Lillard at that five spot. You know, he was two last week. Um, he has not been playing great the last couple of games. He had 28 points and 10 assists the other night against the Celtics, and we lost by one, but he only shot uh, 39% from the field, which is not great. Um, he's got to be, uh, be a little bit better efficient-wise if we want to uh, – keep winning and uh, move up in the West standings because, you know, we're right there where we could do the same things that the Mavs could do and move up to that five, uh, four seed because, uh, you know, we got all the pieces. We got Norman Powell. We got CJ McCollum. And if we were, if we're able to jump to like that four or five seed, um, I see Damian Lillard moving back up. And if he can get around 30 points per game, maybe something like six assists and, uh, uh, you know, five rebounds, I see him being like a solid two, three, uh, in the running for the MVP. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up um, the top five as far as the MVP race. Uh, Chandler, you got any thoughts about, you know, these five and uh, do you agree with these five or, or what? Well, I don't agree with these five. <laughs> you know, you talk for four straight minutes, right? My bad. No, yeah. no, no, you're good. You were yeah. on a roll. You were just going through them. Um, I think the list is fairly correct. I'm not going to let my bias sway too much. I like Payne said, Joel Embiid was a lock for number one and it looked like he was almost going to run away with the race. Um, if he did not get injured for those, I think it was 10 games he was out. Mm -hmm. um, Jokic went on to tear those 10 games, and I'm not going to be a butthurt fan. He has taken over the one spot as of right now. I'll say as of right now, he is, I think, barely, if the voting were to end right now, Jokic would just beat out and beat by a little bit. But how I think things can keep going, especially with the Nuggets losing Murray, although that's a plus for his stats, and uh, that does worry me a hair for Jokic over, like continuing to be the one, that does hurt hurt them a lot, like just as an overall team. So the record's right. gonna drop. And like me and Payne have talked about millions of times when we talk about this MVP ladder, a lot of it has to do with your team's record. Like we saw Giannis, he a lot of people were debating best team, best player in the league, obviously, because he did win back-to-back -back MVPs. But it was a lot in part because the Bucks are the best record in the league right. those back-to-back -back years. So with the Sixers being the second best team in the league overall, and the Jazz not having a first best player, like a real true star. Or a superstar. A real right? superstar, sorry. That gives it a good chance to go to Embiid. So I am still for the year, still think Embiid has a very good chance. 
And then, like we having Luca at three, um, you said Dame at five, right? And uh, who was four? Uh, four is Giannis. Yeah, four is Giannis. Uh, I agree with that. I think you could almost say Dame over Giannis just because to put Giannis in this top five is kind of dumb. Although he's putting up the numbers to be in the contention, he's not going to have a chance of winning just for the mere fact of you're not going to give him three straight MVPs, especially when his team has been kind yeah. of lackluster. They're turning it on now, but they were lackluster until like as a uh, until like two weeks ago. They were kind of like a, no one was really thinking about him anymore. Yeah, I think we they got Giannis over Dame just simply because – Y'all been playing bad recently? Well, we've been playing bad, and we're the sixth seed, and then their team's the three seed in the um, East, and they have a better record than us. And also because Giannis has just been more efficient as the best player on their team. He's not averaging as much as Dame, but he's shooting a better uh, percentage from the field. So, I mean, that all goes into, into account. But if you want Dame at four and you want Giannis at five, I mean – I'm definitely down with that too because what Dame did while CJ was out and while and when we didn't have you know Norman Powell on the team and stuff like that and when Nurkic was hurt was absolutely incredible keeping our team you know got them all the way to the four seed and uh, led you know the uh, league in uh, in like most clutch points and he still does so that that was pretty incredible but uh, yeah if you want you know Dame four Giannis five or Giannis four Dame five it doesn't really matter but uh it's kind of cool to look at Joel and Jokic here at uh one and two right now because you know over the past three years or so there's always been a big debate about who's the best center of the league Jokic and Jokic or Joel and right now I'll argue to anybody it's Joel yeah, yeah right now it's really shaping up to be like okay well whoever wins MVP yeah um will be the best that? center because right now it's between Joel and Jokic. So that'll and be- to think that there's three centers in the top five yeah. for MVP is kind of funny too. And we kind of mentioned, you know, the case for either uh, for both players, but to really break it down, like what one person has over the other, well, what Jokic has over um, Embiid is that the all-around play uh, uh, in a sense, like, you know, he's averaging 8.8 assists per game to uh, Embiid's 3.1 assists per game. That's really what's hurting Joe. Uh, mm-hmm hurting Joel compared to Jokic. But then what Joel has over him is he's a much better defender than uh, Jokic is. And he but, averages three more points per game or three and a, or almost four more points per game. Right. And then, and then they're about the same. They're almost exactly identical in rebounds, 10.9 yeah. to 11. So their stats are pretty identical um, except for the assist per game. And then a little bit slightly better for Joel in scoring. And then Joel's got the better, uh, got the better team. The, the, the better ones, team and better defense. Yeah. And I think, like you were saying, I think the better team will hopefully help Joel in securing this MVP. It's just whether he'll stay healthy for these next few games. Uh, we didn't even play him in our last fourth quarter yeah. against the Nets. He had 37 points before we even got to the fourth quarter. And I was like, wow, he's got to go just like play this whole right. fourth quarter, get like 55, get his career high, and really just sell his MVP. But he actually sat out the whole fourth quarter. And it actually reminded me because that's what they have been doing. You know, whenever he came back, he wasn't playing fourth quarters Mm -hmm. just because they didn't want to risk injury. And I think that shows the Sixers' mindset has changed a lot from – I mean, I'm not saying our mindset was. Like, Joel Embiid needs to win MVP. Let's just play him until he falls off. That's not what I'm saying. But they now have more of the mindset of, like, we actually have a chance to win the championship this year. Let's get our stars the rest when they need it. Or our stars who have been hurt, at least, with Joel. Let's let him get his rest because we have, like, a big playoff run, hopefully, in front of us. So yeah. I do I do like that mindset, and with us winning, yeah. that can really be a big, all pretty much the biggest thing in Joel getting this win. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Um, actually, when so Jokic just needs the Nuggets to win. So yeah, we'll but, see that, how yeah, that goes. The, yeah, the thing is, is like right now when you're looking at it, their stats are almost uh, exactly the same, or it's like a wash. Just you know, 
you know, uh, Embiid's defensive stats is better than Jokic, but then Jokic's playmaking stats is better than Embiid's. So their stats are pretty much washed. But then the question becomes, okay, well, Joel's got the best, better team, and they're the one seed in the East. Uh, in the East, but Jokic's team in the West is a four seed. But what helps him out is that Jamal Murray's hurt, and if he's able to keep this up and keep this team at, at, in a as a top four seed in the West. Who do you give the MVP to in that situation? Would you rather have Joel Embiid led Sixers as the one seed in the East, or would you have, would you, or are you looking at Jokic and like, oh, well, he didn't have Jamal Murray for the back half of this season, and he kept the Nuggets at that uh, as a top four seed in the West? If he, gets, I mean, if he goes with? to the five spot, then I think Joel Embiid definitely deserves it. I mean, yeah, I can see I, that. I, if he gets because like, staying at four doesn't even feel good enough to me. But like you said, Jamal Murray. Being a loss, and he's one right big, now, big part right now, right? And he's already the one seed right now, yeah. Uh, in in the MVP in the um defensive, yeah. But that's just like the latter. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about when you see it at the end of the year, right? Right. I'm saying like, well, his team's the four seed in the West, and they got him at one. Yeah. So that the, indicates that like at the end of the year, if he stays in the four seed, putting up these kind of that stats, doesn't automatically mean that though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I understand. Just to dig in the, but it's just kind of what it's going to look like because they would have Joel at the one instead of. Two, if uh, you know, if the I mean, I think if, right they, now, if they stay at the four and he, we get the one or stay at the one, then I mean, that, we're, we're almost tied for the one. In yeah, a way. we're only a half game above the Nets now that we just beat them head to head. So I think it would come down to Joel, but I don't think if even if it was one, two, Jokic to Joel, I still think it would be extremely close. Like that's my question. Where do you draw the line of who wins? Is it I've gonna, got Joel. Is it going to take if the season ended, you know, today or not if the season ended today, but if the season ends and, you know, the Nuggets are the five seed and Jokic is putting up the same numbers he is right now. Um, does Joel get the, uh, does Joel get the nod with his team being the one seed or let's say, you know, the Nuggets stay at the four seed, you know, maybe the, uh, the Nets somehow overtake the Sixers as that one seed. Do you give it to uh, Jokic in that sense? Would, 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 would you, Chan, would you give Jokic the MVP? Oh, it's if, tough for me to even if, say that. If they stay, they stay at the four seed and the uh, Nets take the Sixers at that one seed. And, uh, and they're keeping the stats the same. It, I guess if Joel drops to two, but I don't, I don't even know. I would. Give I, it, I, I think if if we don't, if we lose the one seed, then we kind of lose our, right. our, our our big argument because that's, that's how Giannis secured it. Was really that he had the best record. By a lot, and it, I think it'll really come to like the difference in our records, just like head to head, like Nuggets to the Sixers. Maybe so. If it's really that big of a margin, us being the one seed over them being the four seed, if it's that big of like a record difference, then I think Embiid gets it. But if it's not, then it might have to go to Jokic. Yeah, that's a, that's. And, a good and point also, too. it's just whether who who's gonna stay healthy between the two. If, if either of them gets hurt, it's almost just a for sure done because Embiid's already survived ten games lost. If he loses. It, anymore yeah he's definitely out of contention that's same a, same for Jokic. Well. that's a good point and that might that might be why uh well that is probably why in beats two is because he missed those 10 games yeah. and Jokic and people been are you know saying he's like very hurt. durable yeah it may not even be well oh uh it may not even be you know if Jokic falls back to the five seed or that nuggets team falls back to the five seed then you know Embiid might take that one spot it may just be next week if Embiid's putting up the same numbers and he doesn't get hurt again he'll overtake the one seed yeah. even though that the nuggets are the four exactly yeah just the only reason he's at the two is because he's missed he missed those 10 games mm-hmm. so it's it's really interesting it's it'll be uh fun to look at but i get i say we move on to the uh defensive player of the year yeah, Racing. so uh, defense player of the year, right now the number one is Rudy Gobert. Sadly, is not who it should be. <laughs> Again, it is uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert, and the number two spot is Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons. We don't really need to discuss anyone else. They're 
No. I mean, you got Miles Turner at the three, LeBron's at the four, so that kind of shows you kind of what kind of a joke the uh, the bottom you know three are. It's really just between I feel ben like two and, players, Ben and Rudy, Ben and Rudy. But the thing is, is you know today I saw that Embiid said he said that I should be the defensive player of the year. Okay, which is kind of funny. L- literally, Payne, I, I haven't seen the full interview of what Clip you're talking about. But I, I I just saw it on Bleacher a lot of, Report a, a, in quotations. Con, yeah, in quotations, meaning Bleacher Report. I haven't looked at the article. Yeah, could be misconstruing what he said. Also, Embiid sometimes just says random he stuff, does. and he doesn't actually mean that. Um, he definitely, if you were to ask him right now, like like, he'll, hey, who do you think is the real best defensive player in the league right now? Like, who's going to win defensive player of the year? He'd be like Ben Simmons. But yeah, you and know, then, he he probably got confused in the court. You never know with Joel. He might have just you never know. And then so I don't I don't think he thinks he's the best. Like he's gonna win defensive player of the year. He might think he's the best defender in the league. And if he wants to think that, then I'm not gonna tell him otherwise. But he's not he's not gonna win defensive player of the year yeah. this year. And then um, um yeah. But for just the defensive player of the year debate, I think it's almost laughable that Rudy Gobert's stupid tall behind is still being named as number one. He's already won it. How many, he's already won it two or three times. I know for sure twice he's won Davis by the year. Pretty sure twice. Um, there, I mean, why, why give it to him again when he's putting up literally the same statistics? I get it that his team has one of the best plus minuses when it comes to defense. Well, yeah. And he has a bit – like when it comes to the plus minus numbers, when it comes on the defensive end, he is a little bit better than Ben Simmons. Like when you just look at the straight stats. But he cannot guard positions one through five. He can guard – he is the best in-paint defender, no doubt about it. He If you're coming to the paint trying to – make easy layups he's blocking all that you're not coming into his paint he can guard any four and five in the league ben simmons on the other hand can guard one through five point guard through center he he's no one can there's not a position that is too much for him he is a great man-to-man defender he can lock up at the perimeter um he is good at blocking and obviously he's 6'10 playing point guard he is that athletic and he literally gets the most loose balls in the league he this year he's just been putting on a clinic. He's leading the league in steals. I mean, there's not much more to say than what he's doing is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. So that's why I think he should win it over Rudy, especially the fact that he can guard one through five, and we haven't seen a defender at this elite level be able to do that since maybe someone like LeBron James. But even then, I don't. I think there's some point guards that can yeah. be too elusive for him. Right. And I would say Kawhi Leonard's maybe one of the only players I know that could guard one through five. Some say PG, but then when he got the game winner hit on his head, it maybe. <laughs> Drop that yeah. defensive rating yeah. a little bit, yeah. but Kawhi and Ben Simmons are really the only two blocks. Scotty was there. Oh yeah, Scotty. We're Scottie talking about Kawhi. current. Yeah, current. Yeah. Um. So Ben Simmons kind of is a real unicorn when it comes in that aspect because there's not many guys that can do that. Yeah. So that's really my case for him being defensive player of the year over Rudy. But it, it's it's close. I mean, both our teams are one seeds. That's a big thing. We both have the two best defenses in our conferences. Like I think they might be a little bit better. Like when it comes to yeah. advanced metric. It, it, Advanced metrics. I was listening to Rosillo talk about it. He was saying how the Jazz just have like a little bit of numbers on us, just like yeah, with overall like team defense. Even though our team defense is great, they're like one over two, and then but it's an individual award yeah, too. Exactly, but like you know, you still kind of yeah judge on your team because like they're both their defense. Well, We're well, both Rudy's the defensive leader of the Jazz and Ben for the Sixers, right? And so they, they carry that weight, and they're both great in their own right. Don't let me don't hear yeah. me saying that, but. I, I I still have been over Rudy, and I hope that's how it goes. I have Simmons over Rudy as well. Um, like you said, you know, uh, the Jazz have a little bit of the numbers standpoint, and Rudy may have even a little bit of the advanced metrics and all that over Ben. Um, and also, he's got the his team's the one seed, and I think that's a big that's a big part of it. And then you've also heard him saying how big. And then people are like are saying that you know Rudy's impact has been like maybe the most in the league or the best in the league out of any other player, and that's why they're the one seed, and that's why he's the number one um, in the race for the 
defensive player of the year. But I'd like to argue that, you know, Ben's impact has been just as much as Rudy's. And then, and then, uh, this is kind of like an argument to what you were saying about the one through five. Uh, this is what Rudy said. He said, I like to look at it as far as uh, in your own position, who has the most impact in your own position. He thinks like as yeah, far as he's, the best, he's the best defender against a center, um, like against his own position out of any other player. So like he's a better, he's better at guarding his own position than Ben Simmons is at guarding his position. That was his uh, comeback to saying, you know, Ben Simmons no. can guard one through five. No, because Ben Simmons is the best yeah. point guard defender. So but, that's a bad. But, but my, but my also. Sorry, I'm I'm cutting you off. Yeah. Ben dropped 42 that's, on Rudy's head. That's what I was going to say. Literally, like if it was, hey Rudy, how about you guard a 6'10 yeah. guy who some people say is yeah. so. Not he can't shoot so much that he should be playing center or power forward. Right, but no, he's a point guard, and you let him drop forty two on your head. That, like, that's that, what that was the whole. That's what it comes back to. Is battle like, right there. He let that happen. It's like okay, well, you know, Rudy was kind of smart for making that um for making that statement because the it numbers was. do back him up. Yeah, exactly. In his own position type mm-hmm. type thing. But the thing is, is if the game's on the line and you know somebody's hot, and let's say like James Harden's hot. Rudy can't guard James Harden. Ben Simmons can. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking Ben Simmons every day of the week. I don't care if you're a better if you're better at guarding your own position than than Ben is. And to be honest, I don't even even think that's true. Even if the numbers support it, um, I'm still taking the guy who can guard you know the best player on the court. If it's not you know a center or a power forward, because that's literally the only positions Rudy can guard. Hence, you know Ben Simmons dropped 42 on Rudy's head, and Ben Simmons is. You know, a point guard, so. not, and also not that good of an offensive player, which exactly. is the biggest point of why Ben Simmons had a career high forty two right. on the best defender in the, in the league. league. So, that, so that, I feel like the fact that Ben Simmons, who gets literally memed on, exactly. him, he, he doesn't even get credit for being a top twenty player because exactly. or top twenty five player for just because he has a somewhat weak offensive bag, even though he's an amazing passer, rebounder, and elite defender, yeah. he gets no credit because of how bad he is in offense. And then that guy drops. 42 on the worst defender in the league. Come on now. Ben is defensive player of the year. No debate about it. I, we, not, we can debate MVP because I think that is a logical debate. Yeah. This is not a debate for this year. I've got Ben. I'm in all I'm in all agreement with you. I mean, if it like you said, if Ben Simmons is getting slandered and he's like, you know, people say like he's not even a top 40 offensive player in the league and this and that, and he doesn't have a jump shot. And Rudy Gobert knows this and he gets 42 dropped on his head. Like the game plan's easy. Let Ben Simmons shoot. If if uh, this is your chance to prove that you can guard more than a center and power four. And I'm not saying that he said that, but still, yeah. Ben Simmons is not a premier offensive player in this league. You let him drop 42, that definitely weakens your case. <laughs> and I'm taking Ben all day. He can guard one through five. Yeah. If uh, if Rudy gets it over Ben this year, getting his third defensive player of the year, it's uh, I will – you know, remember when uh, Ben got rookie of the year over Don Mitchell and he, like, pulled up in that bus and said, like, <laughs> rigged, yeah. like, rigged rookie of the year or something? I forget yeah. what it was. It's like – and it was like, ain't even a rookie. He, like, made merch and yeah. like, the hoodie. That's I'm going to figure out – Ben will make some of that and I'm going to buy that merch because – this is going to be a rigged defensive player of the year if he does not get it. Yeah, um, Ben should definitely get it. He's leading the league, like you said, in loose balls recovered and also deflections. I and mean, steals. And steals. So, like, right there, uh, you can have all the advanced team metrics uh, stats in the world and this and that. But if that's not enough impact, then I don't know what is. Because if you want to be cutting hairs about whose impact is more than whose, um, 
you know, go ahead. But like at the end of the day, I'm taking the guy who can guard one through five and not let 42 points get dropped on your head um, by somebody who's not even considered maybe a top 30 offensive player in the league. So that's pretty much our cases about it. And I just wanted to add one more thing and one more question, Um, you know, with all this defensive talk and, you know, this is like the first year that, you know, we've kind of witnessed players, you know, chirping about on the defensive side, like, hey, I should be defensive player of the year. You know, Rudy said his stuff. Ben said his stuff, even in B, like today, he said he thinks he should be the defensive player of the year. And then you, I, I know, I know, I know you, your thoughts. You didn't even click and, on the article. And, you didn't even click on the article. It said in quotations. Just because this said in the okay. notification. Oh. Okay, listen, it said in quotations and B said. Yeah, I know, I know what it said. Listen, but we're going to assume that he said that because Bleacher Report's pretty solid on their just, information. He's just going to click on it and read it. And then, and then you even have Miles Turner saying that he should be def- defensive player of the year. So you got, you got a lot of guys talking more than we've ever seen before about this specific award. Um, Chandler, what do you think that means for like the NBA going forward? Do you think you were going to see more defense played in the regular season because guys are going to be more motivated to get this award? Because one, they're getting more notice in the media and their overall games because you know media like to harp on this stuff and jump on anything that stars are saying or saying or anything con- controversial. And you know if players are saying like, "Hey, I can get noticed um, just for saying that I think I'm I should be here." And, you know, so I'm going to do that more often. I'm going to actually work on defense and try to get notice and this and that. Do you think, uh, you know, teams and players will take defense as more of a priority than we've seen in the past? Because yeah. I saw a statistic like – my bad, I didn't mean to cut you off that. Like, you know, th- there's been like 43 players who are averaging like 20 points or more this season and like – 10 to 15 years ago, it was only like 13 players in the league. Average that's that's my biggest point. The numbers have changed so much yeah. in offense, and especially in the regular season. I think in the playoffs, defense will still continue to be good and at its playoff form because that's when games actually matter. Well, I mean, they still matter in the regular season, obviously, but they are life or death situations when it yeah. comes to your playoff life. And so you have to play your best defense. But in the regular season, I don't see it changing. Like you said, the number of 20-point per game players in this league has gone up so tremendously that this defense has gone almost away. We have 120 to 125 point games like night night in and night out like it's nothing. So I don't see the defensive game changing just because people are talking about it more. But I would say for primetime games and, you know, like matchups of like maybe the two one seeds in each conference or just, you know, big games that are on ESPN or on a Saturday night, stuff like that. Um, talked about matchups maybe, you might see guys like maybe giving a little more effort, you know, to show that yeah. they've got some defensive skills. Yeah. But I really think that only applies to like the – obviously all NBA players are good defenders, but about 50% of them actually try on yeah. defense like in the regular season. A lot of guys just don't even give that much effort. So for maybe those 50% of guys who respect their defensive game, they they will try a little bit harder. But yeah. I, I don't – the league is just falling off so hard for regular season defense that – I don't really ever aspire to see it unless it's from, you know, those like known top 10 guys who really bring it every night. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, um, I think the trend has been like, if you look at the defensive player of the years, you know, most of these guys are like power forwards and centers. And then mm-hmm. if you look at the guys who are scoring a lot of points and what the, what the modern NBA looks like, people are shooting a lot of threes and a lot of people who are shooting the threes are guards. So I so think how this guard's going to win it when exactly. So the thing is, is like, if, you know, if, defense as a whole is going to be more intense and like the kind of landscape of defense is going to change. You're going to see, you're going to need to see more guards playing defense and, and, and see them in the uh, defensive uh, player of the year running and not, uh, you know, centers because right now, 
what it's looking like is the centers are the best defensive players in the league and and uh and the people that and the centers aren't the best players in the league so you kind of see what i'm saying yeah I understand. like that whole dynamic is gonna have to change and uh then you might see like you know those 43 uh players who are averaging 20 or more will go down whenever you see more guards and more and i wouldn't necessarily say wings but just guards guarding uh players because the guards in this league are or like as a whole better than the centers. The centers might be a better, more saying. top heavy, but I just think you're going to need to see more defense on the perimeter as uh, more than more so than the interior because the should, there's, there's more threes. Defense. Yeah, there's more threes. Yeah, so. and that's like what's been tough about guarding exactly. guard now because their chain their game has just changed so much. Right. And being a center, if you're just tall and athletic, you can literally be a cheat code like Rudy Gobert right. and Rudy guys Gobert. like Joel Embiid who just are locks in the paint and just – play amazing defense down there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this has been a really good NBA podcast. We've done a lot of recap just throughout the standings, MVP and defense play of the year ladder. Glad we got to talk about all of this. And, uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break before we're back with Deeper Thoughts. And we are back for the second part of this podcast, the Deeper Thoughts part of this podcast. And like, like y'all know, I asked Chandler two questions. Chandler gives a scenario, and uh, we just elaborate on our answers uh, of the two questions. So, Chandler, the first question I have for you, man, is uh, how, how should we measure our lives in years, in moments, in accomplishments, or something else? What, what are your opinions on how we should measure our lives? Okay, to be honest, that's a – Probably one of the top five deepest questions we've ever had on the Deeper Thoughts podcast because, you know, sometimes we ask uh, some lighthearted ones. Yeah. But this one is pretty deep. Uh, how do we measure our lives? I mean, there's a lot of ways. Um, some people measure their lives through their friends, um, through their family. Yeah. Um, like you said, like I said, the question accomplishments. Right. Um, um, your faith. I think that's definitely one. That's probably got to be yeah. the most important one, especially for both of us. Yeah. Um, so faith would be one. And then I guess like – how you measure your life. That's the most important measurement. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the second would be, um, I would probably say friends and family because um, one thing that I've been told and I'm sure we've yeah. all heard is like, you are who you hang around. So yeah. uh, the friends that I have, I have a lot of pride in because I'm very proud of my friend group because like, you know, those are my boys. Those are my brothers, you know, yeah. um, they represent me um, positively because I represent them positively. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say faith first is how we should be measuring ourselves and then like our friends and family second. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's definitely faith. Um, you know, if you're a religious person, um, I think that's definitely number one. And I agree with Chandler. I think somewhere along the line for me, it's definitely my friends and my family because, you know, like Chandler said, you are who you hang around. And, uh, you know, you're always being influenced by, you know, your friends in a positive way and your family's always, you know, looking out for you and stuff like that. So they kind of mold you and that's kind of a way to measure your life. But also, um, personally for me, I would probably say about, you know, the, the things you do for other people in your life, that kind of mm -hmm. relates back to like, you know, uh, stuff that I'm taught in my, uh, in, you know, religiously and in my faith, you know, to do uh, well for others and to put others before you. Um, that's kind of how I measure my life, you know, um, you know, what I've done for other people and what I will do for other people. And also just being a hard worker. I think um, working hard in this world is one of the best things you can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when you do that, uh, you know, things will just come to you it, uh, a little bit easier. And I think you'll see all the relationships around you um, mold in a, a positive light. And, you know, your, uh, your relationships with your family, friends, stuff like that will be a little easier on the harder you work and just uh, – and, you know, and, you know, putting others before you. So that's probably how I'd measure my life is how is, you know, how many times I'll put somebody 
before myself or their needs before mine, because I think that's kind of like what, you know, the world's about. It shows your selflessness. Right, right. So uh, that's probably what I would say. No, that's pretty good answer. Pretty answer. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. But for the second question we have is what are our top five celebrities? This is kind of a laid back question. Um, something we can, you know, just kind of elaborate, well, you know, why they're our favorites. But uh, Chandler, if you want to, we can go like one and one, like you say yeah. yours, I'll go second. So stuff. Like yeah. That. So this list is uh, kind of ever changing for me, I'd say. Just because I have a lot of favorite celebrities, yeah. athletes, you know, famous people. And based off like what I'm watching on TV, maybe the sports team that I, I like the most, you know, mm -hmm. different things will uh, fluctuate how this list goes. Right. Um, but my number one um, will not be changing. It has not changed for yeah. a while. That is Joel Embiid. He is my number one favorite celebrity for many reasons. He is the center for the Philadelphia 76ers, as many of you guys know if you listen to this podcast at yeah. all. And um, – yeah, I've just he's been my favorite player ever since he came to the league and really started taking off and like just being the full uh, face of the trust the process brand and how he's carried us to this point now. So just for all those reasons, I also have seen him play in person. Um, I've seen the Sixers play in person twice. Um, he actually didn't play in the first game, but he did play in the second game, um, and I did get to dap him up. Yeah. So and I, I was like right behind their bench. It was a pretty surreal moment just to watch him play in person and really. That was like the first, not the first moment, but that like solidified him as like the for sure number one. That's not changing. Yeah. Um, what about you, Whoop? Um, for me, my first is uh, obviously got to be Damian, Damian Lillard. You know, I've been liking Dame since like 2012, 2013, around there. And that's whenever he really became my favorite player. And I've just been following him ever since. He's, you know, one of the realest guys in the league. You know, he uh, – He's going to keep it 100 with you at all times. And I just like the way his play style, you know, he's he he doesn't like uh, trash talk the other team. Really, you know, he just kind of goes about it like, you know, it's all business. And uh, he's one of the most clutch players in the league. So uh, I just like, you know, like his play style. And, and like Chandler was saying, like, you know, our uh, celebrities and people we look up to, I feel like kind of changes as, you know, we go into different phases of our life. Like whenever I was probably like 10 or 11, Messi would have been in this list because I was a uh, – I played soccer and I looked up to him or, uh, you know, LeBron James would have been in this list. I still am a big fan of LeBron, but I think as you know, you go into different phases of your life, those list changes. But mm -hmm. Dame's number one on my list. What's uh, second for you? Uh, number two is tough. I'm kind of trying to pick between a few people. Um, right now it's a, it's a toss up between the rock and Chris Paul. Uh, yeah. I've always liked the rock just because he's always been a super outspoken guy, obviously because of wrestling. Uh, I'm not actually the biggest WWE fan, but I just thought that he was a super cool wrestler. And like, you know, yeah. he was just entertaining. And I thought that all of his movies have been really good too. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. He's just a cool dude. And he, his social media, if you follow him, I'm pretty sure like when I followed him, I forgot how long it was probably like yeah. four or five years ago. It said like a hundred people that I follow were following him. That's like how popular of a guy he is amongst like, I guess kids are aging people I know. Yeah. Um, but he's just a, a really cool dude. And they're actually – he posted something that uh, – like a poll that 46% of Americans would be okay with The Rock being president. And I was like, you know, that's actually kind of that's insane dope. because, you know, if The Rock was running for governor in my city, you know, I'd definitely vote for him. Yeah. Or not my city, my state. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going I'm to say The Rock number two. What about you, Whoop? Um, my number two is actually The Rock's best friend, Kevin Hart. Um, Central intelligence, baby. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, – you know, I've known Kevin – 
like not known him personally. <laughs> I know, but I've like I've known who Kevin Hart was for a while now, and I never like really like uh, you know paid attention to like what he does with his life. I knew he was a comedian and stuff like that, but probably in the past year, year and a half or so, there was a stretch where I come home from work and I would just you know go and put on Kevin Hart stand up comedy, and uh, he's absolutely hilarious. And 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 then I kind of like went a little bit in uh, in the more depth about you know what he does with his life and stuff, and I found like on Netflix there's this uh, show about Kevin Hart's life and um i can't remember the name of it but i think it's like don't f it up or something like yeah something like that yeah but i watched it i watched the whole thing um and it's really cool you know uh, kevin hart's one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet maybe the most hardworking person in this world and that's not even and i'm not even exaggerating like the things he does is crazy you wake up at 4 30 work out he'll take business calls all throughout the day work out again and it's just his mindset it's like uh it's kind of like what you know people talk about like kobe bryant's mindset exactly. you see a lot of that in kevin hart and uh he just uses that in you know what his craft and what he does so i have a lot of respect for him in that way and he's just you know all positive vibes all the time so he's got to be two for me yeah also another thing about the rock um for people who don't know he's the voice of uh maui from moana yeah um which is probably one of his best cartoon roles at least everyone knows about his famous like in-person movies and just like all that with wrestling but i just wanted to throw that tidbit out there yeah uh, for my number three i'm gonna go with lebron james uh there's not really much to say here i actually used to just some backstory i used to hate lebron james because um, I have a lot of family, not a lot. My cousins live out in San Antonio. Um, so that started me off as a kind of a, a half Spurs fan. They would send me like Spurs jerseys. Like I have like two quad yeah. jerseys and a Tim Duncan jersey. Yeah. Um, so I was really cheering hard for them, especially when they were making those playoff runs. And LeBron was the reason they didn't win a finals one time or in Ray Allen. So I didn't really like LeBron. But once I really started becoming a true appreciator of basketball, I was like, wow, LeBron James, the greatest basketball player of all time. Like, how could I not like this guy? Yeah. And then especially when everyone kind of started hating on him, or not everyone, just the whole league kind of had a negative outlook on him. I was like, it made me like him more. I was like, wait, people don't like him? Right. I, I like him more. And so now people all love LeBron, and he's all like Mr. NBA. But there was a time where he was the enemy of the league. And, yeah, he he's just an, a fantastic human being. He's arguably in all of team sports or literally all of sports history he's definitely the most hospitable person he's given yeah. millions on millions of dollars to charities i mean he's given like hundreds of thousands of kids free college yeah um it's it's kind of insane you never hear about him in the news and doing yeah he's never gotten in trouble with yeah. uh, he's always been clean in his marriage right. like, there's never been problems in his uh like any of his social life um so, so for all those reasons that's why lebron's number three yeah three for me is uh eminem the rapper he's uh i mean his influence among rap has been, you know, tremendous. Huge. And, uh, and you know, some people say he's the best of all time. But I, I just see him, like, not necessarily as, like, a role model, but I think he's three for me because he's definitely misunderstood. A lot of people think, you know, he's this druggie and, uh, you know, he's kind of like a bad, like, uh, icon in a way. But if you go and listen to his music and some of his lyrics and then, like, you know, actually, like, research, like, his past life and what he had to deal with growing up, I mean, it gave me a lot of more. It gave me a lot more respect for him, and I'm like, man, this kid or this guy, he came from nothing, and you know, and he made it out, like literally made it out of, uh, you know, the hood and stuff like that in a rougher area of yeah. Detroit. And if you've seen the movie Eight Mile, it kind of explains all that. And then whenever you listen to him, to him rap, like his, like it's it's amazing like he's kind of like a genius like the things he comes up with and stuff like that so that's one of the reasons and then also um he kind of explains like you know why he uh like wait i forgot where i was going with that but the, 
but yeah, he's uh, he's he's just definitely misunderstood because a lot of the stuff he raps about is about positive things and about things that you know um, could help other people in the world and things mm-hmm. that who may be going through what he yeah. went through whenever he was a kid. So I think uh, I think he's definitely misunderstood, and I think he's a lot better person than like you know what people may think. So he's three mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, that's that's respect. Uh, my number four is Ryan Rosillo. Uh, he's an analyst. He used to be on ESPN. Now he has a podcast called the Ryan Rosillo Podcast on the Ringer. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, you listen to it on uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, but it's on the Ringer Network. I'm, I'm actually sure a lot of our fans don't yeah. know what the Ringer is. Yeah. Uh, started by Bill Simmons, who a lot of you guys know. Me and uh, Payne love him and Ryan a ton. And yeah, Rosillo is definitely my favorite podcaster right now and has been for a while. He's just got a ton of knowledge on basketball and football. Those are really his main go-tos, especially basketball. And I just really love the takes that he has and just the insight he has on the, onto the whole NBA. And, yeah, I just have a lot of respect for his craft. Who's you, What about you, Boop? Yeah, fourth for me is uh, Bill Simmons. He's also a podcaster. And he's got to be four because, you know, he may not know as much as, like, Ryan Rosillo or something like that or or some of the other uh big sports podcasters but he's one of the reasons why Chandler and, I are, Chandler and I are doing a podcast is because he was the inspiration for it he's the first person we started listening to so I think I got to give him credit there and uh you know he's just he's kind of like the foundation of why we started a podcast is because he's also him at work. yeah like the king of podcasting right like we said he owns the ring he owns the ring he, he was a analyst on ESPN like Ryan and he left um the uh left ESPN to start the ringer so he's really just a really strong influential right. guy um and then my fourth guy is chris paul he my name's chandler partle so cp and then i wore number three in my sixth grade year um for basketball and that was like really when i really started like understanding yeah. the nba and so i was like dude i'm cp3 i'm just like chris paul and i kind of played point guard at that time then because i wasn't tall and i don't know that just made me love him so i got yeah. a chris paul jersey or t-shirt jersey and then a few years later or not a few i want to say it was a year and a half maybe and he had been like my favorite player, him and Kawhi Leonard. Pretty yeah. funny because Kawhi's not even on this list anymore right. oh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I met him at the Peach Jam, and it was one of the craziest things. I actually got to really talk to him and like just have a full conversation. And got, I got a picture, and I've actually got two pictures with him, one from when I was in, I think, seventh grade, and then mm-hmm. the other from I think it was either 10th or 9th grade. But he's just a super nice guy and really a, just an overall great dude. Yeah, uh, fifth for me is uh, D Wade, and and actually tied with that is uh, Jason Kidd. Uh, Jason Kidd, because of the same reasons uh, what Chandler was saying, I kind of feel like my play style in basketball is similar to his, and I've just been watching a, a lot of highlights of him recently. And uh, he's just like a guy who like I'd want to model my basketball game after, since basketball is my favorite sport. And then D Wade, because he was just a child, he's the first, uh, he's the person who got me into basketball. You know, he was my favorite player when I was young on those Heat teams. Whenever I was like, you know, eight or eight or nine. Um, um, and like seven years old and uh what he did in 2006 was amazing and then just you know following him on the heat he that's uh he's got to be on that list for me because uh he's the person who got me into uh you know the nba so uh yeah yeah so now we're gonna move on to the scenario to close off the deeper thoughts part we'll give me two dude names um let's go with chris and uh george all right so george and chris they used to be friends you know they used to sit this big lunch table together with all the homies all 20 of the bros and then you know, as time goes, bros stop being bros. And George <laughs> starts talking some mess about Chris on his Snapchat. And he's saying, like, bro, George, or Chris don't want no smoke. He don't want to fight me. He doesn't want none of this. He's a baby. Well, I, Chris is a loser. Yeah. And then whenever Chris is texting George, George ain't responding. And then mm-hmm. George, Chris will be posting on his story. And then George won't. He won't be responding to Chris's yeah, yeah. text. But they'll, they'll still be talking smack and posting on each other's stories. Um, just for reference, we'll say – 
they're about the same size, right? Chris yeah. is probably about 5'10", 155, and then George is like 5'8", 145. Yeah. So they're pretty similar. Um, if all this is going on and they're just talking mess, and they used to be boys, but they haven't really ever come to a place to actually like settle this beef and fight or you know squash it, just like not even fight, just like yeah. apologize and get over it, what are you doing – if you're one, if you're George or Chris, like how are you going to solve this? Well, if if it, it kind of depends on like you know who's the one who's doing more of the uh, instigating or winning the fight because like if George is the one who's like talking all this crap and Chris isn't really like wanting to like you know engage in any of this or be like yo this is kind of stupid you know like if you actually want to hit or fight or anything like that then you uh should you know just actually do it and not like stop answering my texts or stuff like that. So I would say like. Either they both need George needs to stop, you know, slandering Chris on social media or whatever he's doing, or uh, you know, talking bad about him unless he's going to do something. And then if I, and then if I'm Chris, if if George is never going to like meet up or try to uh, fix this or you know come to like you know I guess maybe blows is could possibly end up being the answer. If George is never, blows. yeah, if George is never going to like you know do that you know live up to whatever he's talking about then chris should just you know not even worry about it because he knows nothing's right. ever going to come up mm-hmm. come um you know into fruition it won't ever be solved so yeah that could be one area it, in my opinion i don't think i, I want to want to see a fight between you know chris or george and i kind of would in this situation like there's only, like there's I only, mean, only two solutions either like you said yeah um they just have to get over it and not think about the other person because that's probably what's going to have to end up happening. That, that was your second point, right? Right, yeah. But then the other way, which how I see it should go, they find a mutual friend. This mutual friend makes a boxing Instagram account. They then post <laughs> a thing about like a, uh, a cash app saying, cash app this account, $5 if you want to watch this pay-per-view fight. Then they have it recorded and they split the profits. So then whoever loses doesn't feel bad because they both made money off of a cool fight that everyone got to watch, all their friends. That would actually be pretty. They'd cool. probably make at least twenty five bucks a piece. That's my guess. That would be pretty cool, but um, it would not happen that way. It probably, it probably won't too, happen that way. Too much beef. Yeah, but um, yeah, this has been deeper thoughts. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Whoop underscore Troop Podcast. Also, make sure to follow us on TikTok at Whoop underscore Troop Podcast as well. Anything else to add, Payne? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and go follow those accounts. Peace.